Well, good morning, everyone. I'm so glad you're joining with us here as we continue on in this series, Fresh Start, just looking at how we can have a better 2021 than 2020. And today I want to talk about something that each and every one of us has, something that is affecting not only you, but the relationships around you, something that we all do, but likely we don't often pay attention for. And that something actually is what I want to call awake. Uh, I think when most people would go to describe me, they wouldn't instantly say that Andrew is amazingly athletic. I think the things that people use to describe me are like nerdy, geeky, irresistibly charming, right? Right, Krista? Hot. Uh, hot? <laughs> I don't know what to say with that. Right, we're moving on. Um, but I would say that most people wouldn't say that like sporty and athletic is the way they would describe me. Like I don't think many people look at me and be like, wow, I bet you he's a pastor that reads or also he could be a semi-pro athlete with amazing hand-eye coordination. Like, I don't think that that's, you know, very true. This is why I have a mug today uh, from someone in our church that says reading is sexy because honestly, that's more what I'm known for than being amazing on, you know, sports teams and teams of sports and stuff like that. But I bring up all of this here today for one simple reason, that there was a strange season in my life when I was actually quite athletic and even you might say sporty. And I got good at all things, if you can imagine this, at water sports, actually. So there's a season um, where a number of things kind of conspired to allow me to actually be able to like water ski. I actually used to wakeboard, if you can believe that, kneeboard, do all of this sort of stuff, and even barefoot ski, uh, which I know some of you are like, are there like videos for proof of this? Because we're not so sure that you could actually do any of these things. And the answer to that is no. So I'm sorry, you're gonna have to leave that up to your like imagination. But there was a series of time actually where I did do this. What had happened was I went up to my cousin's cottage. They had a boat there for a while. It went to Mishawa and there was a boat there as well that I was able to make use of actually uh, run by your dad. Um, oh, Krista. that boat that, was sad. That boat wasn't quite a boat. We found it on the bottom of the lake multiple times in <laughs> many leaks. But either way, um, it was this that allowed me to learn to actually like water ski, um, to be able to kneeboard and all those sort of uh, kind of things in this strange summer where I actually got semi good at all of this. But I bring this up because through that summer, what I realized is that if you're doing different activities, you need a different kind of a wake from a boat. And if you don't know what a wake is in a boat, this is what it is. That each boat creates what's called a wake, which is literally an underwater wave from them moving forward in a lake, in an ocean, a river, whatever it may be. That what happens is when a boat moves through the water, it displaces water behind it and it leaves this like ripple effect. It leaves this like turbulence. It leaves this kind of, as it's called, like a wake behind you. And this is what I want to use actually today as a metaphor for life. Because just as how there are different wakes that you need for like wakeboarding or for like barefoot skiing, you want like, you know, nothing, whatever else. Um, what I want to talk about today is the different kind of wakes that we can leave in our own life as we move through it. That what is true for you and what is true for me and what is true whether you're a follower of Jesus or not is each of us as we move through life, we actually create this like wake behind us, this disturbance or wave behind us that we create like an impression or impact through the actions that we take. And so what I wanna to do today though is to actually pay attention to the wake of your life and the wake of my life, because this is just true, right? That our wakes, the, the lives that we live, the impacts that we have, those can be positive or those can be negative. That some people, if they're to look backwards, what they might see is a wake of like bitterness and division and broken relationships and all sorts of stuff. Other people though, and you've probably experienced this as well, that when they come into your life, they seem to leave your life better than it was before. That they have this wake of like peace and harmony and love and all of that kind of thing that follows with them. Today, what I wanna invite you all to do, myself included, is just to learn to pay attention to the wake of our lives or the actions and the impacts that we are leaving behind us as we live our lives. And the reason I wanna draw our attention to that 
is because that's actually what Jesus wants to draw our attention to. And today in Matthew 7, he wants to share through two uh, interrelated kind of teachings to pay attention to not only the wake of someone else's life, but also the wake of our own life. So I want to read to you the two passages for today, and then we're going to work it through here together. Okay. So we read this. Read this. Jesus begins, and he says this, Beware of false prophets who come disguised as harmless sheep, but are really vicious wolves. Because this is just true. Can we just be real with this? Sometimes it's hard to tell if someone's really helpful or hurtful. You don't always know right at the beginning, right? That's what Jesus is kind of acknowledging and addressing. The... I don't know, just the difficulty and complexity of life. So he says this though, you can identify them though by their fruit. That is by the way that they act. He says this, can you pick grapes from a thorn bushes or figs from thistles? He says a good tree produces good fruit and a bad tree produces bad fruit. A good tree can't produce bad fruit and a bad tree can't produce good fruit. So every tree that does not produce good fruit is chopped down and thrown into the fire. And so Jesus kind of ends and he says this, yes, just as you can identify a tree by its fruit, so can you identify people by their actions, right? Or by the wake that they leave behind them. And then Jesus says this as well. He says, uh, continues, he says, and not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. He says, only those who actually do the will of my father in heaven will enter. On judgment day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name. We cast out demons in your name. We performed many miracles in your name. But this is sobering because Jesus says, but I will reply, I never knew you. Get away from me, you who break God's laws. And so today, I really want to pay attention to Jesus's words. Because as I've always said, if Jesus says it, we should just not only do it, but take it incredibly seriously. Right? And so today, Jesus is going to teach us two interrelated things. First, that when we're looking at the lives around us and really trying to determine who we follow, who we engage in community with, all those sort of things, who we develop relationships with, that we should pay attention to the wake in people's lives, the actions that they leave. And then the last kind of saying there, Jesus really wants to pay attention to our own lives. So I want to kind of work through this here together before we kind of always, as always, we have a main point and especially a challenge here today. So Jesus says this, I'm starting with the first one. He says, beware of false prophets who come disguised as harmless sheep, but are really vicious wolves. And here, here when Jesus is talking about false prophets, I think sometimes when we think of prophets, we think of people who just tell about the future. But that's actually not biblically what, what prophecy really is about. Prophecy isn't so much about in the Bible, about just telling the future. Prophecy is about revealing the truth today that will lead to a certain future. That's what the biblical prophets did in the Old Testament. They revealed God's will for this moment, for what is happening, that will lead to a certain future. And so when Jesus here says, beware of false prophets, I think what he's getting at isn't just so much people who lie or might not say things that are true. Because this is just like honest. If someone is just straight out untrustworthy, you figure that out pretty quick, right? You discern that pretty quick. But no, Jesus here is actually teaching us something a little bit more nuanced and something that's a little bit more necessary for our lives. What he's saying is, when he says to beware of false prophets, what he's really saying is beware of people who tell the truth, but then don't live out the truth. That's what he's getting at. Beware of people who might say the right thing, but then never do the right thing. Beware of people who say something, but then whose actions and whose heart and whose wake behind them is all difficulty, drama, and just, you know, division. That's what he's getting at. And I think many of you, Many of you might be able to actually relate to this, actually. Because my bet is, my bet is if you have ever been betrayed or burned by someone, maybe like a business leader, a friend in school, someone in church, whatever it may be, 
my bet is if you've really ever been hurt by someone, likely, likely it wasn't just that they said, um, you know, a wrong thing. It's likely that they said the right thing and then never followed through with it. That's what Jesus is really getting at. That the people we need to be aware of, not because they're terrible and awful people, but because they can be incredibly hurtful and damaging people, are people who say one thing and then live another way. And so Jesus tells us, here's how you can avoid that. Here's how you can avoid that drama and difficulty. He just says this. He says, focus in on their actions. Or the metaphor I was using today already. Focus in on the wake that they leave behind them. Let's just see how he puts it, actually. And this is just Jesus speaking. He says this. You can identify someone by their fruit. That is by the way they act, right? Listen to Jesus. You can identify them by their fruit. That is by the way they act. Or again, in the last verse, he just says this. Yes, just as you can identify a tree by its fruit, so you can identify people by their actions. And I think this is incredibly important for us. Because in today's day and age, it has never been easier just to say kind of cheap words, right? But Jesus is telling us, if you want to figure out who to follow, who to be in relationship with, if you want to figure out who's going to be healthy to be a part of, and some of the people to maybe be aware of or beware of, then what we need to do is learn to focus in on the actions. That's what he's asking us to do. Pay attention to people's actions. Pay attention to the wake that they leave behind them. And according to Jesus, what is bad fruit then? What are the actions that we should be paying attention for? Well, I think really bad fruit is pretty obvious from the Sermon on the Mount. That bad fruit um, is anything that looks not Jesus-y, right? That's what bad fruit is. Or bad fruit is anything that goes against the Sermon on the Mount, right? So what Jesus has been teaching us up until this point is to get rid of judgment and condemnation, to get rid of revenge and anger, right? To live with integrity, right? So bad fruit is anything that isn't that. Right? So when people are being founded in real revenge and hurt and anger and division, this is all bad fruit according to Jesus. And then what he says is to be aware of that. Because honestly, it just brings hurt and damage and division. And some of you have likely experienced that. So Jesus' point is, is that when we're in relationship with people, we should be aware of the actions. Because that really shows who someone really is. But here's where I want us to be really serious. I think the main point of the sermon isn't even so much to be aware of other people's actions, but really also to be looking at our own, the wake that follows us. What is it, the kind of fruit that we're producing? Because notice with me what Jesus says. He says this, he says, a good tree produces good fruit and a bad tree produces bad fruit, but he doesn't leave it there. He actually names that there are consequences to our actions, to the wake that we have to the fruit that we might be you know, growing within our lives. He says this, a good tree can't produce bad fruit and a bad tree can't produce good fruit. But he says this, so every tree that does not produce good fruit is chopped down and thrown into the fire. Let me just be honest that that's pretty heavy, isn't it? That's pretty serious. Listen to what he says. Every tree that does not produce good fruit is chopped down and thrown into the fire. Jesus is really saying here that he takes incredibly seriously the actions that we uh, take, the wake that our lives have, that if, if behind us is just division and junk and drama and anger and revenge and all the things that the Sermon on the Mount isn't, Jesus takes this kind of living so seriously that he actually attaches consequences to it. And he said there'll be destruction for that kind of living, actually. Because this is just true, okay? I, I just do believe this. That I really do believe that Jesus takes our actions in our relationships often so much more seriously than we do, right? I just think that Jesus really takes seriously how we treat one another, our relationships with one another, and how we actually follow him. This matters immensely to Jesus, so much so that he says, you know, a good tree will produce good fruit, but a bad tree will produce bad fruit, and there are consequences to that. And Jesus actually takes it 
a little bit more seriously as well in the very next verses. He starts to talk about how we need to examine our own life and some of the consequences to it. So I want to read them and then I want to work them through as well. So Jesus says this, Not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who actually do the will of my Father in heaven will enter. He says, On judgment day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name and we cast out demons in your name and we performed many miracles in your name. But I will reply, I never knew you. Get away from me, you who break God's laws. And here, here I think Jesus is really shifting from talking about false prophets to really about false followers, to people whose lives don't really follow, um, measure up to actually what he is asking them to do. And notice what he says. He says, not everyone who calls to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. And here, that phrase, Lord, Lord, what it really means, it's a demonstration of fervency. It's a demonstration of zeal or passion for Jesus. But this is serious, but it's also true that just because we have passion or zeal for Jesus doesn't matter near as much as if we actually show the actions of Jesus. That what he really wants isn't people who are just passionate for him. He wants people who will actually follow him. To actually put the Sermon in the Mount into practice. That's what he's looking for, actually. And so he says this, and this is a little bit more complicated that we need to kind of work through. Jesus says, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name and cast out demons in your name and performed many miracles in your name. But Jesus says, I will reply, I never knew you. Get away from me, you who break God's laws. Notice with me that Jesus never denies that there are people who will do miracles, prophesy, and do amazing things in his name. He doesn't deny that they did that. But just follow with me. It's not enough for Jesus. And why? Because what Jesus is really interested in is not one-off actions of like a miracle of quoting Bible verses or knowing that stuff. What he's really interested in is the pattern of our lives, is the wake of our lives, is how we are living our lives. Because what Jesus says so, so clearly is he just says this, He says, but I reply, I never knew you. Get away from me, you who break God's laws. And what laws do you think that Jesus is referring to here? When he says, you know what, that even if you do this stuff, even if you know the Bible and quote scripture and do miracles and prophesy and all of that, that what matters is God's laws. Anyone want to take a guess what laws he's referring to? It's probably like the laws we just talked about last week, right? Where Jesus says, this is the summary of the law. This is the center of the law. This is the essence of the law where he says to treat others as you would want to be treated, to do, uh, uh, to do unto others as you want them to do unto you, the golden rule, or what's known as in scripture, the law of love, actually. So what Jesus is getting at is that, honestly, if we do miracles, if we know all the Bible verses, but behind us we just have junk of drama, division, and don't actually treat our neighbor well, if we don't actually love those around us well, if we don't actually put this into practice well, he's saying that this isn't the stuff that will let us be entered into the kingdom. Because really, we need good fruit to be able to actually to follow him. That's what he's asking for, for real practice, not just admirers, but followers. I think this gets clearer in this as well when he says, um, when people ask, like, who will enter the kingdom of God, according to Jesus? He says that only those who do the will of my Father in heaven. And what's the will of God? Well, again, it's the Sermon on the Mount, right? It's to love your enemies. It's to give up on revenge. It's to live with integrity. It's to cut out all that judging, condemning stuff that so often happens. Jesus is inviting us really to do this. He's inviting us to pay attention to our actions. That's what he's inviting us to do, to look at our lives and to really see, are they lining up with what he's inviting us into? Are they lining up with his rhythm of his kingdom? That's what he's doing. Kenda Creasy Dean uh, once wrote this. She says this, there is the theology I want to believe, that I think I believe, and then there's the theology that I actually practice. 
And that's really what Jesus is interested in. What is the theology that you and I practice? And the only way we can kind of notice that is to actually look backwards over the wake of our lives and to see what is the fruit that's being produced? What is the impact of how I've been living? That's what Jesus is seeking to turn our attention to. So what does this all kind of mean for us here today? Well, Jesus really gives us two kind of interrelated sayings, actually. The first saying is about really other people. And he's saying, beware of other people who can be false. And the way you know that is by paying attention to their actions. That's what he's inviting us into. Pay attention to the fruit. Pay attention to the wake that they leave behind them in life. And then Jesus, with the second set of questions, or the second set of his kind of uh, sharing, what he really is inviting us then is to pay attention to our own wake, right? To look at our own lives, to really see how are we living? Are we, you know, um, people who might say, but I did this for you, Jesus, but we'll actually be missing out of treating one another with love, of doing the, the golden rule and actually following through in the practices of Jesus. What Jesus, I think, is doing in both of these passages is just asking for you and for me to really examine the wake of our lives, to examine what it is we are leaving behind us. That's what it is. So today, what is my main point? Well, to use Jesus's metaphor rather than mine, of fruit. I think this is the main point from these two teachings of Jesus, that we should start watching for and start bearing good fruit. I think that's what Jesus is inviting us into, that if we're going to follow him well, we need to start watching for good fruit of those around us, but especially start bearing good fruit in our own lives and making sure that our actions are really in line with his, to make sure that we are actually really following him and not just saying, Lord, Lord, but showing it with our actions and who we are. So what does this mean for us then practically? Well, today I want to give us three things to actually try to live this out a little bit, to make sure that we are bearing good fruit in our lives. And today that's going to be the real focus of how do we bear fruit in our lives and not just focusing in on other people. Well, today I want to give you three maybe steps or things to kind of start to do action points. And they are this, trusting, examining, and praying. Okay, trusting, examining, and praying. And I want to kind of work through these together. I want to begin with trusting. And here's what I believe with Jesus' teaching here. And this will sound counterintuitive, and you might not expect it, but I just really believe this. That I believe that what Jesus is teaching here, for us here today, is that this teaching should lead us into being more trusting of people, not less. Okay? Let me say that again. That Jesus' clear, clear teaching here should lead us into being more trusting of people, not less. And I know that might seem counterintuitive, because there are ways to kind of twist the scripture into making it about being suspicious of false prophets, and worried, and digging, and all of that sort of thing. But if you take Jesus seriously and at his word, his teaching here should lead you into being more trusting of those around you, not less. Because what does Jesus say here? According to Jesus, he just says this, right? That bad fruit will be revealed, right? That's what he says. That bad fruit will be revealed. That a good tree cannot produce um, uh, bad fruit and that a bad tree cannot produce good fruit. So guess what this means? That you don't need to go around worrying if somebody is a bad actor or being mistrustful or suspicious of people. Because what you know is that bad fruit will reveal itself. Jesus says it so clearly. He says you can identify um, these people by their fruit. That is the way they act. He says a good tree produces good fruit and a bad tree produces bad fruit. A good tree can't produce bad fruit and a bad tree can't produce good fruit. So bad fruit will reveal itself. So you don't need to worry about trying to seek it out, digging it out, or acting with mistrust and suspicion towards people. You can actually start off on the foot of trust. And then when you notice bad fruit, then you can act. Then you can set up boundaries. That's the right thing to do. And what does bad fruit look like? Well, I think it looks like anything that isn't like Jesus, and clearly anything that isn't the Sermon on the Mount. But Paul actually gives a pretty good definition of bad fruit, actually, when he's talking about false teachers and false prophets in 1 Timothy. Do you want to know what he says? He says this. He says, really, beware of anybody who has an unhealthy desire to quibble over the meaning of words. 
He says, beware of people that just stir up arguments ending in jealousy, division, slander, and evil suspicions. So according to Paul, what does bad fruit look like? According to him, what it really looks like is division, arguments, jealousy, us versus them thinking, drama, and junk. Okay? That's what bad fruit looks like. And when you see it, you should beware and put boundaries around it. Or really, if you want to talk about the wake of someone's life and what bad fruit looks like in 21st, 21st century language, bad fruit and bad actors, this is what it looks like. It looks like people who just like stir you know, stuff up. That's what it looks like, okay? Right? That's what it looks like. People who stir stuff up, who are always causing drama and division behind them. That's what bad fruit looks like. And so Jesus says, we don't need to worry about digging that out because that'll just reveal itself. You'll see it and then you can deal with it. So we can actually be more trusting of others, not less. And I think for me, this is something that is especially needed in the evangelical world, in the evangelical church. Because recently, you've probably noticed this as well, over the past number of years, there's been an increasingly mood in the evangelical church of people being suspicious of others, of people trying to like root out secret beliefs or making weird assumptions or whatever. But I just want to name this for what that kind of action really is. What that is, is fear, insecurity, and immaturity masquerading itself as a concern for truth. Because honestly, true followers of Jesus, true disciples, they don't do that junk because they know that Jesus' words are true, that you don't need to be suspicious of someone else, you can trust them because bad fruit will reveal itself, okay? Dietrich Bonhoeffer is the one who first initially pointed me out to this insight, because he was teaching on the importance of community and this passage. And what he was teaching is that if we don't start off with trust, it will wreck community. And so he says this, and I just wanna read it, because as you know, I do so appreciate this, him. He says this. He says, all this distrust, if we were going around just actually distrusting the people, he says it would ruin the church, but for the word of Jesus, which assures us that the bad tree will bring forth bad fruit, it is bound to give itself away sooner or later. So he says this, and anyone want to say amen to this, okay? That there is no need then to go about prying into the hearts of others. That there's no need to go about prying into the hearts of others, that we can actually extend a hand of trust because we know that good trees will produce good fruit and bad trees will produce bad fruit, we don't need to be suspicious of one another. Second thing then, that if we can start off on the foot of trust with one another, the second thing then that I think we should be doing is today I really wanna have the real focus, not be on being aware of other people, but really looking at our own actions. What is the fruit in our own hearts? And so for me, this means that second word that I gave you, that examining. I think what we should be doing is we should be examining our own hearts, examining the fruit that our lives are producing, examining the wake that we are leaving behind us as we go throughout our lives. So for me, even today and this week, I've been asking questions about what kind of wake do I leave? What kind of impact or impressions am I leaving? And so I wanna invite you to ask the same sort of questions, but especially be thinking through your closest relationships. So with Krista, like what kind of wake am I leaving with her? Am I quip, you don't have to answer these by the way. <laughs> Am I making her life more of a blessing or more of a drain when I enter into the room, right? Am I like picking fights over weird, random, small things? Or am I really putting her first in all things? What kind of wake am I leaving in uh, our relationship? These are the questions we should be asking. I'm asking the same sort of thing with my kids, with my kids. Am I being patient with them when they interrupt me, which all kids are doing right now, when they interrupt me, am I seeing this as a moment to care for them or am I seeing this as a moment to be angry with them? What kind of impression am I leaving on their lives? Am I making their lives more full of peace, joy, you know, faithfulness and gentleness or is there more impatience and anger and frustration? What is the wake I'm leaving in their lives? 
I think that's what this passage invites us to look at, that we are called to bear good fruit. So are we? Then I think through about even, you know, our church community here. Am I bearing good fruit here? Am I pointing people to Jesus? Am I encouraging people to let go of bitterness and to hold on to forgiveness and to all that God has for us? These are the questions I think we should be looking at. That yes, Jesus says, beware of people who might be hurtful, whose words don't live up with their actions. But I think he especially wants us to look into our own lives and to say, is there, is there really good fruit happening? And when I mean good fruit, here's what I'm inviting you to really pay attention for. To think through in the patterns of your own life and to say, are these things there? Is there joy? Is there gentleness? Is there kindness? Is there self-control in your life? Is there patience? Is there faithfulness? Is especially love growing? That's what I want to invite you to think through. Think through those seven fruit and to ask, are they being seen in your life today, in your most closest relationships, at work, at school, wherever you may be? Is there joy? Is there gentleness? Is there kindness, self-control, patience, faithfulness, and especially love? Does anyone know what those are? Right? Those are the fruit of the Spirit, right? So when Jesus is talking about bearing good fruit, I think it's appropriate for us to name the good fruit of the Spirit that he should be bearing in your life and in my life. And so for me, I want to invite you to pay attention to those seven fruit and to just ask and examine your heart, examine the wake of your life and to say, are they being seen in your life? Is there joy? Right? Or maybe right now, it's not a lot of joy. There might be a lot of things that are grinding you down. Is it self-control that maybe you need? Because honestly, it can be hard in the season. Is it patience? Because like, I don't know, you're a parent and we all need that right now or whatever it might be. Here's what I want to invite you to do today. I want to invite you to really seriously consider each of those seven fruits of the Spirit. Joy, gentleness, kindness, self-control, patience, and especially love. I want to invite you to think through which one is it that you need more of in your life. Because if we're going to be bearing good fruit, if we're going to be like a good tree that Jesus says that bears good fruit, I think these are the things that we should be seeing, right? So I want to invite you to simply name whatever one of those fruit most stand out to you that you maybe need today. And then here's what I want to invite you to do about it. I want to invite you to pray about it. I want to invite you to pray about it. Because here's what I know, that if I want to see those fruit of the Spirit in my life, if I want to look like Jesus in my life, if I want to follow the golden rule and all that he is teaching here, if I want to see that joy, gentleness, kindness, peace, and self-control, that this happens, follow with me, not through me trying harder, but relying deeper on the Holy Spirit. Let me say that again. That for me to see this fruit in my own life, that this happens for me not just trying harder, but relying deeper on the Holy Spirit. That yes, if I want to see more self-control in my life, I'm sure that it would be uh, you know, good for me to grit it out and have more determination and all those sort of things. But really, the only way we're ever going to see the fruit of the Spirit is by relying on the Spirit. And so today, what I want to invite you into is just this. I want to invite you into pray about whatever fruit that you need in your life. That today, if you're feeling you need joy, to pray about it. That today, if you're feeling you need some gentleness, to pray about it. That if you need some faithfulness, some kindness, some self-control, or some love, to pray about it. Because here's what praying about it does. Okay? It not only reminds you of your need for it, it actually opens you up to the Spirit to receive it. So today, my challenge is really this. I want to invite you to pray every day about the fruit that you might need in your own life. The fruit that you are hoping to see. Because Jesus is really, really clear that he takes our actions incredibly seriously. That the wake of our lives matter to him. And so he says a good tree bears good fruit. And I think he expects that within us. He expects us to really be, as he says, to follow the Father's will or to do God's law, which is to treat one another as we are called to be treated. So practically, what does that mean? Here's what I want to invite you into. I want to invite you first to be trusting of other people. Right? That's the first step. Because this teaching does lead us to be trusting. And if you see some bad fruit, put some boundaries around it. That's okay. That's needed. That's necessary. 
Then secondly, I want to invite you to examine your own life. To think, what is the fruit that is actually coming from your life? What is the fruit that is growing from your life? What is the wake you are leaving behind as you leave a room or leave a Zoom meeting or leave whatever it may be? And then lastly, I want to invite you to really pray every day about the fruit you want to see more of. Maybe, as I said, it's patience, self-control, kindness, whatever it is. But here's my challenge for you for this week, because I think that this matters for each of us. My real challenge is to examine the fruit of your life, praying for the Spirit to grow the right fruit in your life. Let me say that again. To examine the fruit of your life, praying for the Spirit to grow the right fruit in your life. Because here Jesus is so absolutely clear that the wake of our lives matters to him and it matters to those around us. And if, if we want to have a better year this year, and we're already like a month into it, if we want to have a better year this year, it actually starts by actually seeing the right things being produced in our lives. This will make not only your life better, but every life around you better. So today, what is my main point? It's that we're called to watch for good fruit and to bear good fruit. And the way we do that is by trusting, examining, and praying and I want to invite you to really do that here today. Would you just spend some time examining your own heart and saying, God, what is it I need within my own life? And then to pray to the Spirit every day this week, asking Him to grow that within you. Because yes, we have work to do, but it begins with Him. It always begins with Him. So with that, would you join with me in prayer here this morning? God, I just pray in our own lives. Would we be bearing good fruit? I pray, Lord, would you start to do that even within us right here and now? I pray, would you bear within us this fruit of joy, of gentleness, of self-control, of faithfulness, Lord, of kindness. I pray, God, might we continue to look like you in all things. I pray, Lord, as we continue to be building relationships with others, might there be trust and might we just be paying attention for the right actions. And I pray most of all, Lord, would our words always line up with our actions and most of all, would those actions line up with what you call us to do. And so I just pray this all in the wonderful name of God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. And Amen. Grace and peace, everyone. Bye-bye.